Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you will please help us to understand your word. Uh, give us uh, hearts open to uh, hear what you say and to put it into practice in our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some habits are obviously unhelpful for us. Uh, smoking, drinking too much, taking unprescribed drugs, spending too much time on your smartphone or your computer, that'll kill your brain faster even than watching TV, um, driving too fast, gambling, pornography, procrastination. Uh, th these are habits that are bad for you, habits that will harm you, habits that will make your life worse. But there are some habits that will help you in life, habits that will improve your life. Working diligently, just get the job done. Uh, being on time, keeping a diary, uh, eating healthily, exercising, getting enough sleep, throwing your mobile phone into the rubbish bin. Um, <laughs> some habits will make your life better. Just let me give you one little example. I used to try to relax before bed by watching TV, uh, but Netflix is in fact the enemy of sleep. Uh, my wife Carmelina, on the other hand, has always been an advocate for reading before you go to sleep. Reading in bed, hers is a much better habit. It helps you to sleep earlier. After half an hour of reading, I'm ready to sleep. After half an hour of Netflix, I'm ready to watch the next show. Uh, it, helps you to, it helps you to sleep earlier. It helps you to sleep better. And assuming you're reading something edifying, it will feed your mind much better than nighttime TV. Uh, some habits can help you. They're good for you. And it's true for us as Christians as well. There are some habits that can really help us in our Christian lives. As we've seen uh, many times in this book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, he's writing to some Jewish Christians, uh, Jewish people who have put their trust in Jesus. But these people are facing trouble, trouble for their faith in Jesus. Uh, some of them, do you remember, they've been publicly exposed to insult and to persecution. Some of them have been thrown in jail. Some of them have uh, had their property confiscated, all because they're trusting in Jesus. They're doing it tough, these guys, and they're being tempted to, to give up. To, to give up on Jesus and to just go back to Judaism, to stop being Jewish Christians and to just go back to being Jews. The author doesn't want it to happen. Uh, the author wants them to stick with Jesus, to boldly proclaim Jesus. He doesn't want them to go back. And so right through this book, he's shown them how Jesus is better than anything that the Old Testament can offer. Uh, Jesus is a better revelation from God. He shows the full picture of who God is and what he has done. Uh, Jesus is a better high priest, uh, eternally alive at the right hand of God. Jesus is a better sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice. Uh, Jesus mediates a better covenant, a covenant through which we are forgiven and transformed so we can be in the presence of God forever. The author has been writing to get his readers to stick with Jesus. And in this last chapter, do you remember, he's getting practical. He's giving practical instructions on how they can do it, how they can stick with Jesus and help each other to stick with Jesus. Now, I wonder if the educational people that I've been talking to about kinesthetic learning have actually achieved anything. I wonder if anyone can remember the instructions from the first part of the chapter last week. 
Ready? A bit of a test for you. Okay, you ready? Remember this one? Love like family. Amazing. Don't forget the outsider. Help the persecuted. Honor marriage and security in God, not money. Amazing. What have I not been doing for the last 20 years? <laughs> well, well, here in this last part of the book, um, the author has some more practical instructions. And in particular, he reveals three healthy habits as he also just kind of summarises the book. Uh, in the course of this summary, summarising, he gives three habits that will help his, Christ, his, his readers in their Christian lives. So the author starts off, he starts off by talking about the original leaders of the church. Uh, he wants the, the, the readers to, to, to remember the original leaders who first shared the word of God with them, the ones who, who told them God's message about Jesus. Who are these people? Well, keep your finger in page uh, 1877 on chapter 13 and come back with me to chapter 2. Chapter 2 of the book, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, it's page 1862. 1862. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, let's have a look at this because it answers the question. It tells us who the original leaders were. Hebrews 2 verse 3, it talks about the salvation that we shouldn't ignore. And then he says, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, the Lord Jesus, was confirmed to us, that is, the, the reader in the church, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Who were the original leaders of the church? Who originally shared the message of Jesus with them? It was those who heard him, those who heard the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see what that means? This is actually a very early letter, written to a very early church. This was a church started by the original apostles of Jesus, the ones who saw Jesus with their own eyes, the ones who heard Jesus with their own ears. The first leaders of these Jewish Christians were the apostles of Jesus. And here in chapter 13... The author of Hebrews, he says, I want you to remember them. And he says, I want you to think about how their lives ended. The apostles of Jesus served him faithfully to the very end, even when it, went, when it meant martyrdom. And the author says to his readers, to the church, he says, I want you to copy them. I want you to have a faith like they did. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Have a look with me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Back on page 1877, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome, literally the end. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember the original apostles. Remember the original message. Imitate their faith because the author goes on to say, Jesus doesn't change. Jesus stays the same. That means the Christian message doesn't change. The message about Jesus stays the same. And so the original message they heard, the original apostolic message, is still true. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus stays the same, so the author calls on his readers to stick with the original message. Don't be led astray by any different messages, by any strange messages, by any messages that are other than what they first heard. Verse 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, different teachings. Do you see what he's saying? The readers need to stick with the original 
apostolic message about Jesus. He goes on to say that this is a message of God's grace. He goes on to say that this message grants forgiveness and access to the very presence of God. Something the rules of Judaism could never grant. Now the author uses a bit of an Old Testament picture in this next little section here. He talks about the, the altar in the tabernacle, the place where the Old Testament sacrifices were made. And he, he uses it to say that the, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus brings Christians into the presence of God in a way that the Old Testament never could. Uh, through Jesus, he says, it's like we can eat at the altar in the tabernacle. We, we can dine with God. We can be in the presence of God through Jesus in a way that the Old Testament people never could. Continuing in verse 8. Uh, it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Uh, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat great benefit if you stick with the original message about Jesus gives you access to the very presence of God but it will mean exclusion from the presence of some people it will mean disgrace here on earth now for these original readers it was going to mean uh, rejection by their Jewish friends and family and again what the author does he uses some kind of pictures to describe it so he talks about Old Testament sacrifices. He says the sacrifice happens in the, t in the tabernacle, but the sacrifices are burned outside the camp. And he says, you know, same with Jesus. Jesus died outside the city. He says, you want to stick with Jesus, it's going to be like that for you. You're going to have to go and bear the disgrace of being excluded from God's people. You're going to have to get used to being rejected by your fellow Jews. Verse 11. Uh, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy places of sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. They stick with Jesus, these readers. They'll be rejected by the Jewish people. They won't have a home on earth but they will have an eternal home in heaven. And the author says, that's what you've got to look to. Verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Uh, sticking with Jesus, it's going to mean great cost, but there is great benefit. And so in this kind of final summary of what he's looking for, the author says... I want you to stick with Jesus, to boldly profess his name, boldly, boldly tell the world that you are Christians. And I want you to back it up by living godly lives. Verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Stand up for Jesus, back it up by the way you live. That's really what the whole letter's been about, isn't it? But can you see here this first helpful habit? Here's what's going to really help these Christians. They need to keep to the original message. 
that they need to keep to the message as it was given to them by the apostles. They need to serve the true, unchanging Jesus and back it up with, with their lives as it was explained to them through the apostles. They must not be led astray by any different teaching. Some people were helped by the kinesthetic reminders last week. I know there are some people kind of passively, aggressively rejecting what I'm saying. And I'm sure you were doing the actions on the inside. <laughs> but many people have been helped. Now, I'm not planning on doing actions every week. Okay, don't, don't panic. Next week, we're starting a series on the book of Jonah. Can you imagine the actions for Jonah? I mean, running away from God thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish. Could, could have been a lot of fun, but I'm not going to go there. Um, not planning on doing actions every week. But while we're still in this action chapter, Hebrews chapter 13, I thought I'd try it one more time again today. So if you put all the actions together, you'll remember the whole of Hebrews 13. Here's an action to remember the first habit. You ready? You can do it with me on the inside if you have to. Do it with me on the outside if you want to. Keep to the original. Keep to the original. That's the first, first helpful habit, keep to the original. Um, the author took, goes on to talk about a second helpful habit. He calls on his readers to cooperate with their current leaders. Remember the original leaders? Cooperate with their covenant, uh, current leaders. Uh, he wants them to obey their leaders as they teach from God's original message. He says these leaders are accountable before God, accountable to God to make sure that they're teaching the truth. And, and the author believes they're being faithful. They are sticking with the original apostolic message about Jesus. He says they're worthy of your confidence. And he says, I want you to cooperate with them. Work with them, not against them. If they're teaching you things from God's word, put it into practice in your life. Don't stay unchanged. He says that'll make life easier for the leaders and it will benefit you, readers. Verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account to God. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Okay, they need to cooperate with their leaders. That's the second habit to help them. Here's an action to go with it. Cooperate with leadership. Okay, so we got keep to the original, cooperate with leadership. You want to say it with me? Everybody who was asleep just had to wake up. <laughs> the author now gives a third helpful habit. It's a, it's, it's a simple and obvious one, but it's just so important. Uh, he asks the readers to pray for him. He's trying to be faithful. He's working hard to stick with the original apostolic message about Jesus. And he, he'd love to be there and to help them. And so he asks them to pray for him. Verse 18. Pray for us. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and, and we desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. He asks them to pray for him. He then prays for them. He prays for his readers. He, he asks God to, uh, to help them and also him to, to live faithfully for Jesus. This is key. This is vital if they're going to stick with Jesus. They need God's help. And so the author prays for them. Verse 20. Now, may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. The author brings the letter to a close. He says, would you please read my letter with a right attitude, bear with it, put it into practice. He tells them about Timothy, faithful Christian leader, who's stuck with the apostolic message, even though it's meant jail for him. He's hoping that he'll come with Timothy to visit them. He finishes with some greetings. He says, uh, uh, those from Italy send you greetings, which might be a clue that he's writing from Italy, from Rome perhaps. Uh, and then he finishes by praying again. Praise that God's grace will be with them. Verse 22. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I'll come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Okay, so there's the third habit. All right, can you see what's here then in this final section of Hebrews? It's, it's really, it summarises the letter quite well, I reckon, don't you, don't you think? I mean, he's saying, I want you to openly profess Jesus. Confess him, praise God through Jesus in front of the world, back it up with how you live. What does that mean? It means you've got an altar to eat at that the Old Testament people never had. You've got access to God in an incredibly precious way. But on the other hand, it means you're going to be rejected by God's people. You're going to have to go outside the camp bearing the disgrace that he bore. He wants them to live for Jesus, back it up, because it has brilliant benefits, but it's going to be tough. And so he gives them these three habits. Can you remember what they were? Keep to the original. Cooperate with leadership. And pray. Okay, well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. The application's pretty direct, isn't it? I mean, still for us today, we've got to be people who boldly praise Jesus in front of our world. We don't want to be wimpish. We don't want to be silent. We don't want to back away. We don't want to give up. We want to boldly proclaim Jesus to this world, and we want to back it up by the way that we live. Same as with the original readers. That will give us eternal access to the glorious presence of God but it will mean exclusion it will mean disgrace and the louder you are the worse it'll be so how can we do it how can we live for Jesus no matter what how can we hold on to the message of grace so that we end up in the presence of God forever well, these three same habits will help us so let's think about them uh, first we need to hold to the original apostolic message about Jesus uh, Jesus still hasn't changed He's still the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, the message about him still hasn't changed and so we need to keep to the original. Stick with the message of Jesus as the apostles originally gave it. Now for us, of course, what an extraordinarily wonderful privilege that it was written down for us in the Bible. That, that, that's why I chose this action. We're going to stick with the original apostolic message. We have it in our Bibles. I know it sounds obvious, but Christians should be Bible readers. I've often asked people, how are you going as Christians? And a lot of people talk to me about their Bible reading. A lot of people say, a lot of people tell me that they're struggling with Bible reading. I often ask the question, what difference does it make? What difference does it make whether you're reading the Bible or not? I can't remember who I was talking to a couple of days, a couple of days ago, but uh, he said, well, it just, just reminds me of the truth. The whole world is telling me different things. This just reminds me of the truth. It's true, isn't it? We should use the Bible. In church, we should use it. In Bible study, at home by yourself, in family devotions, 
That's where we find the original message that can save us. We need to stick to it and we need to not change it. Uh, my children play piano. Um, I may not look it, but on the inside I'm Chinese. Um, I force my children to play the piano half an hour a day in the morning. And uh, one thing I've noticed, one thing I've noticed that there's a very big difference between jazz piano and classical piano. Uh, my son Joel loves to play jazz. And, and the thing about jazz, you never play it the same way twice. You improvise. That's the musical term. So Joel will be playing away in his room. I'll come and I'll say, Joel, wh wh where's the music that you're playing from? He'll say, there's no music. I'm just, I'm just making it up as I go. It sounds brilliant to me. Uh, but it doesn't work that way with classical piano. Uh, a while ago, my son Joshua sat his uh, grade 7 AMEB uh, exam and he had to play four songs. And the expectation was that he play what the music says. The exact notes at the right pitch at the right time. There's no room for improvising. You can't make it up as you go. The job is to accurately play the song as it is written. Friends, the Christian gospel is not a jazz piece. It's not for us to, to improvise on it, to take away the bits we don't like or add in some things that we think will make it better. Jesus does not change. The same yesterday, today and forever. And so the message about him does not change. The same yesterday, today and forever. And so our habit should be keep to the original. Friends, I hope you're people who care about accuracy when it comes to the Christian faith. It really is vitally important. Different teachings won't save anybody. Have you people who care about accuracy? And that means you've got to keep your Bible open, keep to the original. That was habit number one. What was the second habit? Cooperate with leaders. Uh, in our church, we have a plurality of leaders. Uh, we have a staff team. We have elders. We have Bible study leaders, uh, youth leaders, Connect Kids leaders. Uh, as leaders, we are genuinely trying to teach the Bible faithfully, to teach it clearly, to teach it engagingly. Uh, we are trying to care for you and to help you on your Christian journey. And, and frankly, we appreciate your support. Uh, there is a world out there that thinks we are teaching you the wrong thing. There's a world out there that thinks that we're trying to trick you or exploit you. or uh, They think that we're wrong and stupid and they think that we're probably abusing your children. It's not true. It's not true. The world has not got it right. And, and, and it's annoying that that's what the world thinks. And it's discouraging that the world thinks that way. And it makes it hard to be a Christian leader. But you know what? It is nowhere near as discouraging as having to face conflict and unfair criticism and opposition from inside the church. Uh, there is nothing that sucks the life and joy out of ministry more than conflict. Uh, there is nothing that hinders ministry more than division and eternal opposition. And internal opposition. Uh, I'm not saying you should stop being discerning. I want you to be discerning. I want you to check everything you hear against God's word. If you have a fair criticism, air it. But to the extent that what you hear from leadership is in line with God's word, we are looking for your cooperation. I don't believe that Christian leaders have an authority outside the word of God. I believe our authority is only to teach you the God's word. 
But where we teach you what God says, we are looking for you to work with us. We're looking for you to obey. We're looking for you to change. We're looking for you to be on the same team as us, to take God's word seriously, to work hard to put it into practice, to obey, to, to strive to live with us for Jesus. You know, it is really, really discouraging to see people in church year after year unchanged. I should say that my own family have been greatly encouraged by our time here at Chatswood. Uh, we, feel, we feel very much respected and loved and supported. I don't know what you say about me behind my back, but at least to my face, the vast majority of people are nice. Um, and to our great encouragement, we are seeing people grow in maturity in Christ. There is no greater joy for us than to see people who are hearing God's word, understanding it, putting it into practice in their lives and growing in maturity. That does make ministry largely a joy and not a burden. And so we say, thank you, keep it up. All right, what was the first habit? Keep to the original. Cooperate with leadership. Third and final habit was? We need to pray. Do you do it? Do you pray regularly? Do you ask God, like the author of Hebrews here does, to equip you, to equip us to live for the Lord Jesus? Do you pray for your family? Do you pray for your church, for your Bible study leader, for, for your, your children's leaders, for the ministry team? It's not easy to keep up the habit, is it? Very easy to let prayer slip off the agenda. I fear that Many, many people in our church do not pray with any real discipline or regularity. I know myself that I find it really hard to do. But the reality is we're not going to make it by ourselves. By ourselves we won't keep trusting Jesus. By ourselves we won't openly profess Jesus and, and back it up by the way that we live. By ourselves we can't do it. We need God to help us and so we've got to ask him. We ought to pray. I love that expression in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul says that Epaphras is, uh, is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And that word wrestling, it's the word from which we get the word agony. It's not easy, the sight of heaven. It is a wrestle. It is a struggle. It is agony to keep on praying. But friends, don't give up. If you have given up, Start again. And can I encourage you, don't say, I'm going to pray for two hours every day. It's just, don't kid yourself. Don't, don't set a bar, the bar so high that you're never going to keep it. Set even five minutes. I'm just going to pray five minutes tomorrow. Okay? If you achieve it, you go, hey, that was all right. I could probably do six minutes. Set achievable goals. But set goals. Don't give up. If you have, get back into it. Get back into praying. Set aside a regular time. Pray. Okay. Congratulations. You've made it to the end of the book of Hebrews. I hope you found it encouraging. Uh, I know I have. I think it's a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his greatness. I think it has been an encouragement to, to press on. But friends, we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers, don't we? So last time, three helpful habits. Excellent. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you.
for the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the fact that he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the risen eternal priest interceding for us at your right hand. We thank you that he reveals to us the truth about you and we thank you for the wonderful covenant that he mediates through which we're forgiven and through which we're transformed and through which we can be with you in your presence forever. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to openly profess his name in all of our lives, to back up our words by living for the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, strengthen us in this, we pray, and we pray that we will remember and keep to these habits, that we will stick with the original message as we find in the Bible, that we will cooperate with leadership and work together, submitting to your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to be regular and faithful in prayer. We pray that through all of this we might stand firm to the very end. In Jesus' name, amen.